How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? That's fine. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah. If you could change one thing about your night to make it better, what would it be? Um, if I had enough time to do groceries because work stuff didn't explode towards the end of the day, uh, yeah, that would be fair. that would be my ideal. Mm-hmm. So then maybe I would have made dinner instead of snacking on Luna bars, almonds, and Gatorade. Yeah, I had a, a lean cuisine. I had an orange chicken. It was pretty good. They were the um, I don't know. They have some sort of sub product thing. It's still lean cuisine, but it was it was pretty decent. I haven't had their stuff in easily a decade. I just remember having like a little linguine dish or something pasta related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got a couple of pastas. I think we got a couple of Fredos. Um, they're, they're they're honestly not bad. I'm kind of fat, so like it doesn't really feel like it's enough food for me all the time. But I think that's also the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, this cuisine doesn't have enough food. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> I need some sort of fat cuisine, like something for for me, a man. So, something for men, uh, like a man who would be hungry. <laughs> yes, kid cuisine, Ra- <laughs> ravenous, ravenous boy. <laughs> yeah, oh, I will say I don't think I ever actually tried the hungry man dinners, um, mainly because I was a young lad at the time, and mm-hmm. also it's just like it's like oh it's just a lot of like steak and potatoes type stuff. I'm like eh. That's I it, wanted yeah. something cool, like Kid Cuisine had like a little bonus every time. Mm. She's like, oh, I have like the corn, I have the bone. Oh, but I have a brownie! So like that yeah, was like what you got to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Those were pretty good. Those were pretty good. I do like um, I, I do enjoy some of the ones where the ingredients are separate, but in particular, if it's something where you can just like mash it all together and then be like this is what I would do to a traditional like Mexican plate. Um, yes. and just treat it like that. I also like that. So I had like um, uh, meatloaf, which can be hit or miss, I will say, in frozen food, and um, like seasoned mashed potatoes, and just like collapse in upon itself, form of the whirlwind, and then consume with fork. Um, yeah, like it doesn't need to be like fully like I wouldn't blend any of this food together because then like you've lost texture. Yeah, that's too much. But yeah. mixing it, a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. because like if i have an actual like plate of food at like oh i made dinner or like i'm over to friends or I go out to a restaurant and it's separated i'm gonna just like grab like a fork and be like one two three like i'm trying to get a, a bite of everything at once anyway you make a so, kebab basically with the fork yeah yeah um there was a something else i had recently this is this is food that i prepared I will now undermine everyone's expectation that has oh, expectations, hold on. <laughs> including Dave. Yeah, um, we had some refried beans. So I'm like, okay, tortilla, and Mango heated up the tortilla for me. So I was like, oh, nice, convenient. Um, and I was like, put on the refried beans, and I like had some cheese and some like sour cream, and then one of them I added ranch. I had two. I added ranch to one of them, and I added um, uh, hot sauce to the other one. It was, uh, I can't freaking remember the name of the hot sauce now. Nashville hot um, to the other one. And I was like, all right, let's freaking go. Microwave them again so the cheese will melt and stuff like that. You get that good actual burrito thing rather than just a slice of cheese in your burrito. 
Um, and uh, then I was eating it. I was like, man, this hot sauce is kind of hot. I kind of wish it was like, oh, I got ranch in the other one. So I was cutting them into pieces and then like doing the kebab basic thing, you know, scoop a little bit of refried You're beans. Mixing and mashing. Yes, it became a uh, a fork dish, but it was pretty good. I like how you're like, I had a tortilla, and I put three different types of fat in it. <laughs> I'm like, where's the, the protein here, like the, the carbs? Beans are protein. Ah. Beans are protein. Some, some yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you just threw like a little bit of chicken in there, or like some mm -hmm. diced onion, peppers, yeah. I'd... <laughs> we I'm, I'm basically saying build a burrito. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fair. That's fair. I've seen it done enough times at like Chipotle or some other place that I I I know what people expect to be in a burrito, but this was not necessarily that. I will say, but, as somebody who has made burritos professionally, and by okay. that I mean just at home alone, um, mm. I watched a YouTube video like, "Here's how you make burritos." <laughs> you, should, you know, you should have said. For a living. Mm. Because you would have died uh -huh. if you didn't eat food. Yeah. And I need to eat burritos. Doctor's orders. <laughs> yeah. But the, the two key things are to... <laughs> I've been doing burrito boy. Is what the doctor <laughs> says when you come in. <laughs> Best burrito boy. All right. I'll let you finish. Um, I'm sorry. I, my head cannon's been expanding for <laughs> your medical treatment. <laughs> I should just throw out like enough false information about my diet so someone pieces it together. You're like, how many pounds is this man? <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. um, but basically, you want to actually heat up the tortilla so it's a little more pliable, so that when you do like the ingredients and like roll, that it doesn't just tear. But the other thing is to slather that bitch in butter, not like mm. slather, like have it, but like you should at least do a coating, uh, which definitely mm -hmm. helps. And then also, once you have all your ingredients together. You should wrap it in foil and like let it sit for a bit, or honestly, like throw it back in the toaster oven, so that mm. everything can kind of like meet meet in the middle, get to know each other. Gotcha. No, that does sound pretty good. I I don't have a toaster oven. I probably would use it. We we have an oven, and Mango will use that for cooking things. But that's like that's a little bit heavier commitment than I usually want to aim for. It depends like how a big toaster the oven is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think we. I don't think we can conventionally get tortillas beyond above a certain. You size, and Mango have right? like the the giant uh, pizza. Uh huh. What's what is it? The I know what you're thinking of. The um, it's the, a, the not type a of food with all the stuffing. <laughs> um, no. Imagine like the giant thing. Like you get to take a pizza out of an oven from like oh, yeah, five yeah. feet away. The social distance pizza grabber. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I still want to call it a spatula. That's, that's It is pretty much what it is. Pizza pan? No. Uh, something else. Anyways, right in with whatever that is. Um, we're, we'll forget to look it up within the next 40 minutes. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you know what we won't forget about in the next 40 minutes? Uh, video games. Um, so Diablo is one of them. That's your segue. You can now take it. Oh, <laughs> I will be doing the rest of the podcast episode, everybody. Hello, my name is Dave. And <laughs> so we kind of wanted to, with the resurgence of playing some Diablo 2 Remastered, um, yeah. kind of want to go back and look at some of the Diablos and how they have progressed over time. 
uh, what has mm-hmm. changed, what's good, what sucks, Diablo 3, and just mm-hmm. see where we're expecting things to go for Diablo 4. I, I have a pun I have to throw in here. We'll see where it Dia goes or see what titles Dia blow. There you go. Okay, you can proceed. So, <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> I didn't play Diablo one. Uh, I don't think a lot of people did. No it's one old did. As fuck. Um, <laughs> it's it's a miracle that Blizzard didn't go bankrupt back then because zero people played Diablo one. They're like, what's this two? They're sequel to what? I don't I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, but it's obviously like a gothic isometric RPG. Uh, it was mm-hmm. like the big progenitor, I would say, yeah. uh, at least as far as Blizzard's concerned, and it just had so much good theming. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say art direction because compared to everything else, it looks so bad now. At the time, right. I accepted it because you're like, what was it, comparing it to DOS? Like, right. you had very mm-hmm. limited options overall. So this was a huge step up at the time. Um, But going say, back... Yeah, yeah. Talking about the art style, it's like, oh, is this the orange enemy or is this the red enemy? It's not quite that bad, but it literally is like the, pix- the pixels are like nothing. Even classic Diablo 2, which I know we'll talk about at some point, had tiny resolution, and Diablo mm-hmm, 1 mm-hmm. was a more basic game than that. It um, was like a... But it laid a lot a hard for the series. A hard 800 by 600? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing... Uh, the thing about, like, Diablo 1 is it's actually kind of surprising how much of it made it over into Diablo 2, as far as just, like, gear and combat and things like that like it, those the systems got improved but it was literally like the idea of just killing enemies going down cave after cave after cave or in this case dungeon after dungeon after dungeon that's mm-hmm. the entire game getting loot making it to the end and then you know slamming a crystal into your skull the ultimate flex i guess um yo check this shit out <laughs> yeah (laughs) hold my beer (laughs) um but uh i didn't play it either so i won't i won't say too much for it but i do know that it informed diablo 2 a lot and i joke but they it was a success right this was the creator of the arpg genre as we consider it now or crpg yeah and i think diablo 2 is really where it took off because that's when they had the addition of multiplayer for battle.net Um, and I felt this personally, but it felt good to be validated by a YouTube video by a prolific YouTuber who was saying Mm -hmm. like playing through single player, you're like, yeah, this, I can kind of do things on normal, I guess. Um, but then like you reach these points where it really feels like you need to play with other people to like Mm -hmm. get their buffs and other things. As you play with more people, the game does get more difficult, but if you're able to stack, certain buffs or have somebody cover a damage type that you can't do like maybe you're all physical and you find like the one ghost enemy who's like fuck you uh you can have somebody who's using like fire magic to deal with that um Mm -hmm. so that's really helpful because like the loot table itself like part of what i enjoyed about diablo 2 was it was fresh it was new it was exciting it was dark it was gothic And when you were exploring, like, this desolate wasteland and you found something cool, you're like, oh, holy shit, I got this rare item. It does, like, five different things. I'm going to hold on this forever. Right. Then you find something better later. But it was so few and far between 
So it was very difficult to beat certain things because you were missing stats or your skills sucked or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad they had multiplayer because I think everybody's experience is I kind of played through part of the campaign and somebody ran me through 90% of the game. Um, right. Because there's always a higher level person who's like willing to help out. Like, you want to run something? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. But that's something I actually really liked about the Diablo community because I went in as a young lad, didn't know what I was doing, definitely experienced a lot of scams and stuff from like little tips and tricks in the game that I didn't know about. I'll trim yet. your armor, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, uh, hey, can I just check your item quick? Or, hey, drop it over here. And somebody uses telekinesis. Uh -huh. There's a whole bunch of things. D&D <laughs> message with like your account name and password. That was a classic one. Um, uh -huh. I learned a lot at that age. But um, there's so many people who were willing to help you and run you on stuff to help your progression because somebody helped right. them. So it really mm -hmm. had a good track record of paying it forward. Right. And I definitely did some. Probably not as much as I could have or should have, but... Yeah, I will say, so jumping on the community for, for Diablo 2, I kind of, um, um, I can admit to this, uh, I uh, torrented the game when I first played it, so I was not allowed what? on Battle.net. Um, I can say this because I've served my time, it was 40 years in Azkaban, but I, I made it through, and um, I did have one friend back then. So if you weren't on Battle.net, you could play over direct IP connection mm -hmm. on characters that are um uh, just local characters not not validated on battle.net and i think the game still had cheating i'm pretty sure it did um but it was you didn't have to try to cheat on local you could just cheat <laughs> so um but i had like the one friend and uh, i kind of felt the absence of that you know not really being part of the community that could push you through some of this more difficult content um because they're like straight up cliffs of difficulty in Diablo 2 where it's like it feels like a pretty reasonable slope and then it's just like it goes vertical uh, the, the, the the limit does not exist um, you just mm -hmm. slam your face into it but pretty much um, and it would have been nice to have that community there I think what you're describing there this kind of banding together to get over it kind of uplift the newer characters get them into the ecosystem it's something that's almost I think of it more in MMOs then I do more small co-op or single player experiences. But it was definitely there. It was definitely present in Diablo 2, which pretty much was maybe that's because people treated that game kind of like an MMO. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, like I've played other ARPGs where that's just not really a thing. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like you can progress with people if you party with them, but typically you're not partying just because i think it's shared loot or maybe yes. it's instanced i feel like everything should be instanced personally mm -hmm. um and diablo 2 because in diablo 2 it fucking shared. wasn't um yeah because yeah. like you do those cow runs and you have one person who's running the whole group and then you have mm -hmm. uh what are called vultures uh me being one of them as like a low-level character who's running around just like scraping for like that looks shiny let me grab that uh -huh. yeah um yeah it's it's kind of the wild west. They hadn't solidified how they want these structures to work. Um, and I mean, that was the last Diablo that had shared loot. Um, in the same in the same instance. 
There might have been a time where that was true in 3. I don't think so, though. I think it was always instance loot, but um, could be wrong. It's been a long time. Even even 3 is becoming old at this point. That's how long Diablo has been around. But um, I definitely do have some things I want to say about 3, but um, <laughs> that, that's fair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the balancing... Uh, I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate for this, or Diablo's advocate. I can't believe I missed that. Um, oh my god, that would have been so good. <laughs> yeah, right. Because um, I don't, I don't hate the modern ones as much, and I definitely think there's some things that improved. And I also saw some of the flaws in two, which I know we'll we'll, we'll kind of get into as we go through what? it. But I know, I know, hard to believe that they didn't just absolutely nail it the first time. So, but I'll be the first to like kick Diablo two in the shins. Um, sure. graphically not great to go back to fucking sucks mm-hmm. um, resurrected pretty a lot good of... though getting there hold on um, <laughs> I thought that's what we were talking about my apologies so just at least with Diablo 2 and this is still true of resurrected um, the mm-hmm. combat like a lot of your build options for different classes felt mm-hmm. very similar for a lot of the options because a lot of them it's like hey I'm going to hit hit somebody a bunch physically with a melee attack Mm-hmm. okay that covers like at least one of each of the classes and like there were some other branching things out but it felt like there were only maybe two or three tops that were like oh you can do this this or this yeah um, mm-hmm. and a lot of your damage was just from like uh skills and you really could mm-hmm. only level up so many of a given thing and it didn't make sense to like use something else so when you were in combat you essentially had like two buttons bound i'm gonna use this spell i'm gonna use this other spell Right. So it felt very limiting uh, as far as your options. Not at the time, because that's all you knew. Um, but compared to something newer like Diablo 3 or Diablo 4, where you have multiple, you're like, I feel like that's a that's an improvement, at least. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's worth noting that for Diablo 2 and Resurrected, like you still could bind skills to the function keys. So you could be casting things quickly. You're just like, oh, hit F3 to go to teleport, and then right-click to jump then hit f1 to go back to your attack or whatever but i mean that's not really a convenient input scheme um and they they did rectify that eventually um the skill system was very interesting in two for me because i actually like so much about diablo 2 was like wild west of let's just try something and maybe it's inspired and maybe it's terrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) like or we don't know how people are going to address this right like the it seems like they had a lot of great ideas on paper, but they didn't know how people might interact with it, right? You, you, this hasn't gone through thousands of, um, like, QA testers to see how it all played out. Play testers to see how it played out. And the skills were the thing that got me. Even when I came back to the game, I was like, this skill sounds kind of cool. I'm going to put a point in it. Build ruined. <laughs> like, freaking immediately. And not technically... You can kind of make that up, or you can get carried through some of the harder fights until you can like get another respec. But you only get one respec per difficulty, unless you it's like kill every boss in the end game, and it's a rare drop of the things that can actually provide it. It's insane. Maybe I feel like yeah. the whole respecing thing got added way after I initially played because it's like usually 1. very 1. much like 1. a point two. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know feel... what, how long that was. <laughs> Like, even now, for, like, the character I have in Diablo 2 Resurrected, uh, mm. I'm holding so many fucking stat points because I'm like, I don't know what I need yet. Yep. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what the final build is, and I want to lock myself out or have to use one of my respects when it's so limited. Right. 
so how do you how do you feel about that how do you feel about the system um and in arpgs in general right because this is really this is a a grandparent to where uh skill trees have gone in subsequent games um how do you feel about kind of locking people into their choices as they make them and how much information should people have before they even click those choices uh i i don't dislike locking people in um so you do you do like to <laughs> remove the double negative <laughs> uh, yeah a, a little bit uh, that's partially mm-hmm. because it's what i grew up and what i'm used to because mm-hmm. if i like really hated something after like 20 minutes playing character um i would probably switch out now unfortunately mm-hmm. diablo 2 has some like major skills every six levels so it takes right. a little bit to get to level 30 unless somebody's running you so if you're yeah. like, oh, I'm really curious to like try this level 30 spell, and then mm-hmm. you get there, you're like, I don't like it. And essentially mm-hmm. all the points you put towards that are now kind of null and void. So yeah. that part sucks. Um, but I've also made so many burner characters, so like for me, it's not a huge factor. But mm-hmm. I think respecking should be an option to some degree, so you shouldn't mm-hmm. be fully locked out. Um, but I think people should be forced to commit a little bit for what they're doing right there should be there should be some sort of price to pay probably to to lend some credence to it um i i i i kind of am split on this i'm almost in the exact opposite camp i guess if i think about it like starting with three they basically remove the need to respec at all because all of the skills are just available to you as you level up for your mm-hmm. class. Um, and then the choice became, which active skills do you want to equip? And like one through four, I think, and then left click, right click. And um, also like what passives do you want to equip to those skills? So that's where the customization came in. And it could vary up your playstyle dramatically. Maybe you have more spenders, generators, whatever the crap. But you couldn't make a mistake. If you kind of, if you try to skill and you're like, this sucks, you could just take it off your bar. Um, And I I recognize that there's a price to pay for that, right? Like, there's no incentive to roll a second Barbarian, for instance, in Diablo. Because there's no difference between a level 60 Barbarian and a level 60 Barbarian besides gear. And then whatever they picked for their flavor of the month skill set. but is that a loss? You know, do you want to make so, multiple? I want to make a comment. I feel like I have to make a very brief detraction to just say one thing sure. about remastered. It's gorgeous. If you don't realize the disparity between how the original looks and how remastered looks, <laughs> but like even the cutscenes, like just going back yes, and re- watching yes. some of that, wildly different, huge. Um, so I actually played Diablo three for like an hour last night. Um, okay more research than i did for this i just let dice dice i love you i know you're listening uh talk Mm -hmm. at me for like an hour about all these mechanics and stuff because honestly i wouldn't have known quickly so i got a good Mm -hmm. amount of data all all at once um but so much of that game for me feels too polished too smooth Mm -hmm. and like you could just part of it is the art style it seemed to lost some of the appeal for me with the aesthetic like it right. feels more like torchlight or world of warcraft 
Um, it's more fantasy. The items than dark themselves, gothics, right? Yeah, but also like even the items don't take up as much space. Like you don't have an eight section thing to put in your inventory. Now, for convenience and like modern gameplay, it's so much nicer to be able to pick up a whole inventory of like thirty items. Huge, um, mm-hmm. but if it feels like they're just like the number scaling of everything, the scaling of everything, not just damage, is so wildly different in three. Because they're like, hey, you've done the story. Like, you want to do end game content. So, like, they're throwing magic stuff at you. You have different ways to ha- make progression. You can change your build mm. around. But for me, it's like there's no stakes in it almost. Um, and I like a little bit of stakes, whether it's in plot in like a TV show, uh, whether it's like death in a game like Elden Ring. Like, I want. Mm my actions, whether successful or unsuccessful, to be a little bit impactful. Uh, and for three, I think a lot of that is lost for me because it's just, just okay. like, streamlined. We got you. It's like, you yeah. can't make mistakes in three, like you said. It's very just... Yeah, I think part of that is because of the blizzardification, basically, of Diablo, starting with three. And for people who play Blizzard games, you know that generally they might not massively innovate in a game but they're going to pull so many things together and then just polish the heck out of it to the point where it is the most approachable version of that product yes that it's pretty good and i don't think it's a bad thing at all yeah that needs to exist someone needs to to be the best at that i think um it's what they did with wow it's what they did with overwatch it's just that's their thing um and they were trying to do it i think more with diablo 3 but clearly like I think it's not just you who <laughs> thought that they missed the mark on that. They they have made some the real money shop existing literally <laughs> impacted yeah. a lot. That's, at the they, That's the classic. It's not even that it was bad on its own. I do remember seeing someone who I think it was the first week had a had a um a rare quality, so this is yellow quality uh ring on the shop for two hundred dollars. And somebody else bought it. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know some people, probably those in, in countries where the US dollar is maybe a little bit stronger, uh, they did all right <laughs> in those opening weeks of Diablo 3. But they had to change the drop rates and everything like that to make sure that they didn't flood the market. And it was just terrible for a single player experience. But I digress. Um, I don't hate that part of it being casual, but the difficulty. Um, is the other part for me like i want to be able to change my skills around in response to a threat to have like a more efficient build that's kind of what i want i want that sort of versatility i want to be able to not have to look at a guide to know what i should bring in but and um, also not have to play with other people yeah um but i would say I'm sure we'll talk about the difficulty in two. I'll let you have that one. But the difficulty in three is um, pretty much a cakewalk uh, through normal difficulty. And that game was designed, especially at launch. You got to remember that like this end game content, like rifts and bounties and stuff like that, that didn't exist when the game launched. Um, the game content at, for three was just continue to beat the game campaign over and over and over on harder difficulties into torment higher levels of torment and it was just everything scales higher more magic find more gold more incoming damage yeah. more enemy health and that was the game and yeah yeah 
Yeah, Sorry, like it's just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely feels like a like they're just like, hey, we're, we're going to give you this end game slider. Do with it what you will. And it was exactly. just for everything. And again, that's fine if you're like, I enjoy this type of thing. But when I was talking with Dice last night, uh, I was like, oh, I remember playing on my Whirlwind Barbarian and doing riffs. And basically, I just held right click and would just kind of like drag my mouse around the map. And I was like, mm. oh, now that I look back at it, I was basically playing Vampire Survivors in a different fashion. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's not what I wanted from an RPG of gameplay. But at the same yeah. time, if I look at something like Path of Exile, which I will not go into because it's his own own mm-hmm. beast. It's, it's, that's, that's next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> look at the history of Path of Exile. All the patches. <laughs> but it, a lot of RPGs will have that similar type of thing where like basically you are trying to go for oh, I want to be able to clear harder maps. I need more damage, but like my build's staying roughly the same. Um, so yeah, it, each of them have like their own strengths and weaknesses. I feel like it's really just what is good for you personally. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, I wanted more of the aesthetic and pacing of two, mm-hmm. even though the difficulty spikes were kind of like bullshit. And, like, would you agree that difficulty is what forces creativity, innovation, and kind of even the need to farm in these types of games? I thought Eldering was easy. I went, uh, <laughs> I went bonk build. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it definitely does. Um, for any, any game, I always enjoy the creativity aspect of theory crafting a build to figure mm-hmm. out, like, oh, what if I put these two things together? Um, and it feels good when your creativity gets rewarded or you find a solution to a provided challenge. Right, I would, exactly. I, I would argue, well, I know you're the same way where you like finding stuff or finding the most optimal thing for your mm-hmm. given build. Um, but I think a lot of people are the same way where it feels rewarding to solve it in that way versus just like the, right. here you go. Yeah, and it's kind of meaningless to solve it or make a super optimized build if anything works. And that's the way that early Diablo was for three. You gotta you gotta remember, like a lot of people only play through the game once. Right? Like, That's true. like oh story's done. I saw the credits. Why would I keep playing? I don't understand. Why are you why are you talking to me? Who are you? Get out of my house. <laughs> um at least when I interview people for these episodes. Um how does that contrast with the difficulty of two though? I mean two just sucked difficulty wise <laughs> okay. because even on what i mentioned like for the single player like there would be some spikes of certain bosses like you really had to have your build together and you're like mm-hmm. i didn't realize i was making a build i thought i was just you know surviving stuff um, but as you go to the higher difficulties i mean obviously things are scaled higher for like health and damage but it also just nukes your resistances and you're like what's right. a resistance mm-hmm. there's like how much damage you can take from other shit and it's mm-hmm. a lot so if you don't have full resistances um, or as high as you can get them, which is usually 80-85% for a lot of things, yeah, um, you fucking feel it. Like one mm-hmm. enemy type will... I, my go-to example is like the beetle in Act 2, where if you every time you hit it, charge bolts come out. Um, right. And it would just take out chunks of your health. But yes. That's just an example. It was, it was just welcome to the desert, and as soon as you leave the town a beetle attacks you you're like oh that kind of hurts yes. until you attack mm-hmm. the beetle and you're like that hurts a lot <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll just let the beetle hit me the beetle's not that uh-huh. much of a problem 
legitimately also... running by them is probably the strand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only here to kill maggots, and that's it. Maggots uh-huh. and cats. <laughs> but one of the stats that was pretty prominent in Diablo 2 was FHR, faster mm-hmm. hit recovery. Uh, so that means when you get hit, you always have like a stun, like you're kind of like knocked back a little bit. Yeah. We call this jab locking and smash. But like mm-hmm. there's a time where you can't interact or do something. So if you have like yeah, four enemies stun. taking turns hitting you, you're basically just a hit stun, you're fucked. So the yeah. more FHR you had, the faster you could recover and interact or do something to get out of that situation where they're bonking you. I don't know if other games have that as prominently. Um, but mm-hmm. like it was a stat you actually need to put in, kind of like adaptability in Dark Souls too. They're like, hey, yeah, this is a thing. What an interesting comparison you've made. <laughs> How did you feel about uh, faster hit recovery <laughs> if you're comparing it to adaptability in Dark Souls too? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, a lot of times it was just more so like it would be on an item. You're like, oh, I need some of this, but you didn't care about it too too much because usually you'd have a way to teleport around certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I, that's, that's fair. There was there were there were some other ones. So some of those continued to make I guess maybe maybe defensive stats on that don't necessarily feel good to need, right? If you feel like it's mandatory. Adaptability is really the worst. Um I'm a Dark Souls 2 apologist and I even think like faster hit recovery is still better than adaptability. Nobody wants adaptability, um, which for the listeners who aren't familiar is basically like you get a, just a microscopic couple extra iframes when you do dodges in Dark Souls. So that's the comparison here. But like, it's not fun because it doesn't. Nec- it's not making your build better to get that stat. It's not making you do more damage. And if you were to contrast this with, um, I think uh fcr faster cast rate i think was also mm-hmm. in diablo 2 like that one actually feels good you could have a choice to cast slower but obviously if you're using a caster you're going to be doing less dps it's probably one of your most important yeah. stats um so that one like it feels like you're being amply rewarded anytime that you forgo something else in order to put this on your build whereas the best you can do with like a purely defensive thing. I'm actually going to put all resist under this as well. Um, all resist is more helpful perhaps than, you know, faster hit recovery, but it's, it's a don't suck stat. It's like, it feels like a tithe that you have to pay. You're being bled by white mana essentially. Yeah. A little bit where it's like, well, your, your, your stats just aren't good enough for this difficulty yet. Oh, is it cause I don't have enough damage or something? It's like, no, yeah, you, you you need to take that cool stuff off of your character and replace it with all resist. Um, and I know that's a slippery slope. You can't say, like, don't have defensive affixes in your ARPG, right? But, I mean, all games maybe, will have that as an option. Like, my mm-hmm. go-to example always be Elden Ring for any type of game comparison. Even Tetris, weirdly. But, like, yeah. you don't have to put health into stuff. You can just never be hit. That is an option, right? But right. it makes certain things harder for you, or if you get hit once, okay, that's that's it. You don't get to take multiple hits. Um, yeah. Whereas other things, you're like, oh, I want to be beefy enough to where I I have the reaction time to hit a potion to like use some of that health pool, but I want to still primarily focus on damage. Right. Another things will actually reward you for putting points into defense and using it as damage. 
Like mm-hmm. there are ways to do cool. it, but yeah. if you're ever just funneled strictly like, hey, you have to put points into this, it feels like a waste of a level up almost. Where you're like, right. okay, you have to eat your vegetables with dinner. All right, you eat the green beans uh-huh. first. It's like a, a good example of an affix. This is the affix podcast now that I think like has more weight to it, more value to it is something like thorns, which, you know, maybe it's not so good if you got just a little bit of it in a game and it is, you know, primarily defensive, but it's like it's defensive with a little bit of offense, right? It's making up some of the offensive capability of your kit, which allows you to not feel bad if you focus more on defensive stuff. It's a choice rather than something that you have to do. And I think that is something that I appreciate more. All resist and elemental resists on their own actually made it all the way through in Diablo 3 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever appreciated needing to get more of this stat. Like, I understood my character was stronger if they had these higher defensive values, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel nearly as exciting as like every time you cast fireball, another one appears out of your butt or something like that, right? Like that's much cooler <laughs> as an effect. Yeah. And I, and credit to Diablo 3 um, because they built so much on Diablo 2. Because like I said, Diablo 2 for me, I'm going to say Diablo 2 Remastered because it's the one that doesn't look like absolute trash. Um, mm. it's, a, it's the standard now. It's pretty much the same yes. game, but just playable. Because like when I went to play Diablo three last night, it does not look as good as Diablo two remastered. I believe. I mean, it, yeah. to be fair, that was updated more recently. Um, but so many things in Diablo three, like they give you options for build diversity, mm-hmm. where like you could have special uniques or affixes to like change your play style around, and it felt cool to play around with those and try something out, and then find something that was cohesive. Versus, which one of three things do you want for Diablo two? Like, it was so linear in comparison. Yeah, I would temper that critique with, I think part of it was Diablo 3 was like a live service game. And Diablo 2 was how much content should we make for a game that we release? And if you're thinking about it that way, yeah, it's like your sorceress is going to have a best in slot monarch shield. If you're fire, you're going to start with a leaf rune, something like that. Um, And that's there's a prescribed path towards greatness. Kind yeah. of in Diablo 2. You can go in different directions for a, cl- a class, but a couple of them are good, right? So <laughs> those are maybe where you invest. Um, and to take take a half a point away from Diablo 3, they almost fell into the opposite problem where like and the higher difficulties, they really started rewarding you specifically. Here's the seasonal set and this is just yeah. going to be the, the new hotness. Um, yeah, I didn't like how they're like, this is the meta. And I'm like, okay <laughs> you're poor like, I know, you don't have the meta <laughs> again like touching on path of exile ever so briefly like sure. as for each season they essentially like reset the skill tree they clear the whole board they rearrange some stuff uh they rescale some things and you have to like redo it now there's always going to be yeah. like a top number of builds or like this is the best for clearing stuff um but it still feels so fun to just experiment and make your own thing. Yes. Um, yeah. Another credit to Diablo 3, Transmog. Every game should fucking have cool. this. Uh, yeah. It feels really cool to like, hey, if you're doing a number chase where it's like, I need the best in here so I can get higher numbers like with Destiny, it feels good to be like, I don't like how this looks, but I can make it look like one of the cool pieces I have 
but keep the good stats. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's just an obvious. I don't have anything to add to that. It's just all games. I mean, it's have just, it. just I agree. True. Yeah, like I don't know who Destiny, thought of that first, but mm. when Destiny first added, um, I think like some of the first iterations of the system were literally you have you have like two sets of gear and one of the sets is what it visually looks like. And the other set is like where the stats come from. And eventually I think like Diablo, I I don't think Blizzard usually does things first anymore, but um, at least for by the time they got to Diablo three, it's like, Oh no, you're just kind of unlocking transmogs and you can just apply it to make something look like something else without all that other stuff in the middle, Um, which is the way destiny does it as well. Anytime a game introduces a transmog system, or glamour or whatever it's called i kind of just assume that it's always been there because it always feels like it belongs <laughs> um yeah it's just it's, it's just really nice it's in the same way you have like if you go and press escape and you're like oh game settings you expect certain things to be there as far as changing yeah. how some things are displayed being able to rebind controls like it's just an accessibility thing that's just nice and transmog is strictly just to be visually appealing but it sucks to be like this is my highest level gear and you look like a dork like it yes, doesn't yeah. feel good you were like i want to style as my character mm-hmm. so it just needs to be in all games absolutely do you think fall guys would be fun if you couldn't do transmog really <laughs> right you try to transmog yourself into jacket from hotline miami (laughs) (laughs) this is an incredibly painful process to compress and reform a guy (laughs) do you like to (laughs) shove people (laughs) that would be oh my gosh that's really good actually um man i hope i hope they had that for the intro when they drop the content i mean uh, it it will eventually happen i'm waiting for the elden ring one personally (laughs) right <laughs> the ronnie fall guy the ronnie had yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so down that's so, really good of because like, we played a lot of d3 yeah. right mm-hmm. back in the day uh we did some diablo 2 remastered together sure mm-hmm. what would be your go-to for recommending to somebody who just wants like hey i've heard about diablo as an arpg where do you think i should start to check it out I mean, this is this is the problem, right? Like, unless I know that they're they really love hardcore older games, that's what Diablo Two is. Even the resurrected version is still pretty much that, right? They're not really going outside of that mold, and I don't think anyone wanted them to. Um, so I, I I feel like if I had to pick it right now, so I wouldn't even recommend three. I think I would say like wait for four, see how it is, and then maybe pick up three because it might just be on sale when four comes out or yeah. something. But um. If I had to pick just between the two, and four doesn't come out for another month and change, um, I mean, I would recommend three. It's just the more playable game. But I would recommend people to also, like, check out the cutscenes in the story, because despite the fact that, like, the lore kind of doesn't matter, people generally weren't playing these games for lore. The story of two was just, like, choice, pretty much. And the story of three disappointed a lot of people. What's funny is, like, I know we've talked about this a number of times, and then I was talking about this with Dice last night. I'm like, hey, do you remember anything that happened in 3? And he's like, I think there's a guy called Mafael. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he was the guy uh-huh. with the sigh and the orange bandana. And he's like, and he just kept going on. I was like, uh-huh. Ninja Turtles. But yeah, we couldn't remember really any of the 
details. We're like, we know yeah. the Reaper of Souls is Mafael. Uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember some of the key points, but the story spent a lot more time with some of the 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 non primevals. I don't know what they're called, but there's a word for them. They have a proper noun title for like. Their, I wish I had rank, a math basically. joke lined up for this. God damn it! Yeah, right. Um, but they're not as interesting as Bale, Mephisto, and Diablo. Um, and like the game kind of knows it too. You know, as they approach the end, it's like, all right, we need to like bring in the A team, right? We're losing them. Um, but like, yeah, it's not great. And some of the character interactions are really pretty much all of the chapter character interactions are pretty, pretty boring. And I find twos a lot more memorable for some of the initial opening scenes. You know, first time going to the harem under the palace or the arcane sanctuary. And it's like, yeah, this is different, right? Um, and outside of the time that Diablo three was literally like making fun of themselves with the pony level pony land, like there's not that much that happens geographically that's memorable. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just not, it's serviceable. Yeah. Like I liked heaven. I liked hell, but I mean, it looks like heaven and hell ex- look, would expect them to look so it's like yeah. here's the the golden area and here's the red area <laughs> you know yeah it's i don't know it's it's one of those things it's hard to describe but it's easier to feel like mm-hmm. you know when there's like a really good level design in something because you feel very immersed you don't know exactly which components of it contribute to that but you're like this feels right for what i would expect yeah, or mm-hmm. it just exceeded my expectations because, like, I don't know, this is gonna be. Oh God damn, this looks awesome! Mm-hmm. Like, to Destiny 2's credit, uh, whenever they do raids or content like that, it looks really cool, and they mm-hmm. have like a whole theme going, and like I like the level design, but like some of their just generic areas, especially some of the early ones, like EDZ, you can throw under the bus easily because that was probably from mm-hmm. Destiny One, was just like, uh, do you like? earth but there's like not much stuff in it and you're like uh-huh. uh no versus if you go to uh anything like the dreaming city you're like oh god damn yeah mm-hmm. and but I the think, other d2 that's not gonna make things yeah the other d2 notes but i think theming really goes a long way and i think mm-hmm. of the two two had a, a stronger theme yeah mm-hmm this is actually this is pretty much proven by what people said back then when three launched, all the way up to four, where they literally the, some of the first looks at it were like, "We're making it bloody and violent and like much more visceral and all of this stuff." They literally were just playing into like, "We realized that you hated this about our previous game," <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if there could be much more of an admission of fault than. We changed it for the next game, right? Yeah, it's like if you're going to be fighting demons and you want it to be like somewhat taken seriously or like it's going to be more of like an edgy experience, Mm -hmm. I don't think of something like Dungeon Defenders, you know? Right. Dungeon Defenders is fun. I'd love to play with friends, but it's not gritty. Like it doesn't have that same personality. So it depends Mm -hmm. what you're going for. But like 
Diablo, I think, has been stronger with a grittier approach. Yeah. It's what the player base... The world that they spent so much time in, it's not fair to, like, take them back years later and say, like, this is the world now. It's much brighter. It's cleaner. And all of this stuff is fine. This is a nonviolent game. They didn't do it go that far. But, like, yeah. It, it, it felt like a misrepresentation of the lore and platform that was already established for them they spent yeah. a lot of time with and that's i mean that's fair um i no. uh sorry go ahead. i was going to ask um hmm. because hmm. you've done more of the, the demo of four than i yeah. have um what stuff are you looking for in four specifically whether it's something that you already came across in four you're like oh i like this yeah. Or something that you would like to see happen that just maybe didn't come up yet in that content. So part of the problem with Diablo 2, I felt, was like a lot of the gear was gated until you kind of got really far in. And then it was kind of like level gated in a way. Um, so you almost just kind of have to like farm and grind for it. And it felt like some of the stuff you could use on the way there just wasn't so great. Um Diablo 3 kind of had the same problem where it's like it would literally throw legendaries at you which are supposed to be really good gear and it's like this is there was literally a time in, for the, the marketplace uh, a good chunk of time when it was still up that legendaries were not worth any money. <laughs> People would spend more money on rares because they just rolled higher and that mm -hmm. felt terrible right? One of the things they fixed I feel like with 4 is um, a legendary or like a brown rarity golden uh, not golden uh orange orange, orange rarity is um uh, it'll have like a special affix some special effect that is not normally how stats work it does the thing similar to every time you shoot a fireball one comes out the other end right <laughs> um and you can just break your item you can just say like smash it open and grab that piece out and then go slap it onto some other piece of gear that might have rolled really well um and so if you find a legendary that's like, well, I already have good gear, but I want that specifically. I want that one line. You can just take mm. it and put it on your gear. And that's amazing. I love that. Because I know that the decisions I'm making with my build right now, they'll be out-leveled eventually. But I get to be really powerful when I find cool things in the moment. Um, and I like things like that. Diablo 2 laid the groundwork for that with like the rune system and the gem system. Um, but it's good to see that they're still expanding it. Yeah, if they added room words back, I'd be so happy. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they were they're a thing tricky. in three, right? No, no, I don't believe so. If there were what's, runes, they what's kind of crazy to like me? Gems. They had sets which are typically like, if you get enough of these pieces, you have whatever set bonus. But yeah. set pieces were always non-socketed, from what I remember in two, and in the three, mm -hmm. like. Oh, yeah, you can have a socketed set piece. Do you want to just, like, slap a gem in there that gives you, like, 270 strength? I'm like, okay. It just... Yeah. It felt, like, a... It felt so weird to me. Um, But, like, I really enjoyed Rune Words because, like, that was my first experience with, hey, here's, like, how you magically enchant something and make it, like, insanely badass. Yeah. You should describe how, how do rune, rune Words work in Diablo 2. Well, listeners, so you have an <laughs> item that has sockets. Sockets are like little holes in items and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So 
Each rune word would be dependent on an item type and a number of sockets. But if you put the correct runes in in the right order, you could get a rune word, which would essentially change that. <laughs> I'm trying to think if one of those is actually a rune. Well, maybe. Uh, but it just felt really cool because it would give you so many uh, special magical properties on what was going to be just like this empty item. And some of them were really fucking cool. Like yeah. Enigma is a three socket armor piece. And I will always remember the runes Jaw, Ith, Burr. And uh, it was always very common and very rare. Or, I sorry, I should say like highly valued uh, in a lot right. of builds because it gave a standard armor the ability to teleport, which is typically only a sorceress ability. So yeah. mm -hmm. you can have other classes that cast and are like surprise motherfucker and they just like like <laughs> hammerdens always blinked around and would like chuck hammers so they had wow. like this massive aoe of damage um but that was like super cool and then i'll gush briefly about eobtdcb um ethereal breath of the dying colossus blade it was it's a long name colossus blade like was just the, the big ass sword but it's uh -huh. a six socket rune word uh, Breath of the Dying. Um, the reason I mentioned Ethereal at the beginning is one of the runes is Zod, which makes an item indestructible. So even though it's Ethereal and it can't be repaired, it doesn't have to be. But right. Breath of the Dying had some other stuff. But the key part was anytime you killed an enemy, a 50% chance to do a level 20 Poison Nova. So mm -hmm. as you killed, like, let's say two enemies, let's say Law of Averages, you're going to hit it. Um you would just explode entire like stacks of enemies because it would just right. chain react through. And it's not like you needed a poison build. It was just strong. And it felt mm -hmm. really cool to do stuff like that. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, I can... You can tell Dave's a little bit excited about this. I appreciated Rune Words too. I'm smiling I and I don't normally do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked... They serve a very interesting... Breaking this down mechanically... They serve an interesting purpose, right? Because in a way, it's kind of like the um, the old like McDonald's uh, Monopoly game where you're like collecting the letters and you're like, oh, I've got this. Yeah. I can redeem this in for something. That's pretty much kind of how rune words worked. Um, but individual runes, I don't think were too rare. At least the ones I didn't, I, I saw. Maybe some of them were on the high end. So the ones that can drop are not super rare but uh just like with gems you can do three of the same type as you got to higher tiers you might need to add some gems into the mix uh, in the heroic cube but you could essentially like fuse three of the same into the next higher tier exactly yeah so once you got to like the higher tier stuff they did some crazy stuff even standalone like one of them ist is like 25 percent magic find and that is a Dang. super high value one that everybody wants to trade for Mm -hmm. there's one yeah, that like it, it, ignores damage like it does some silly <laughs> oh, shit um it's a cool it's a cool design though because it lets you do this little um kind of like a mini adventure basically you have your shopping list you have your quest i'm gonna go collect these parts and you're probably gonna find some of them along the way the point i was trying to make and this may or may not be correct is um if you had one of them specifically the goal to accomplish getting one of these um you really had a an achievable path of farming 
to get there. You knew what enemies would drop the pieces to get there. You knew what gyms you needed. You had your shopping list, um, which feels better than relying on pure RNG, right? Like, because what you're describing when you're talking about some of the effects on some of these rune words, like that could be a legendary item, right? It could be the same thing as a legendary effect. It's something different that your character mm-hmm. can do in the game now, but you get more of a sense of ownership when you're building this up over time, when you're collecting your list. Um, and the the funny thing is like the last piece was oftentimes like one of the easiest things to do. You had to use a normal piece of gear that had this many sockets and you could just re-roll town inventories till you got one that you wanted. Didn't require fighting any bosses or doing anything like that. And then you just slapped it all in and it became your magic item. That was really cool. Um, I'm surprised that they actually dropped that. That was one of the things that hurt three was that they didn't really have a system to compensate for the loss of that. Cause rune words, they kind of fit into what they're starting to do more with four, which is like, you can break down your gear, take the stuff you like and build it into something better. Not to the same level of complexity that I saw yet. I don't think that they really mm-hmm. are bringing it back. I don't want to give anyone that impression, but it's an enjoyable gameplay system, and that's the type of thing that you want people to have if they're going to play the game for a long time. Yeah. I honestly wish they'd also add a little bit of... I don't know if they had any of this in 3, because it's been a while since I've really deep dove into it, but having items that gave other class abilities, like, I forget what it was, but there was like a unique item in Diablo 2 where it's like, oh, it's this sword. Oh, it allows you to breathe fire. So you'd be a barbarian just like holding out your hands as like fire shot uh-huh. out of your body as it renders yeah. like 17 different PNGs. And it was so dumb, but it was fun. Um, yeah. Because you're like, it's a barbarian. He's going to hit me. Oh, oh, no, he's breathing fire. Uh-huh. Like just having that little mix up of or silliness was always cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know we're we're approaching the end of our analysis here, but um. There are things I liked about the skill set as the game went on. I obviously kind of, I really like the actives in three. I like that's where they introduce spenders and builders and mm-hmm. for the most part to use mana, um, which is fine. It's good base level and a lot of the classes still use mana, but um, they kind of started varying it up a little bit as the game went on. But then they kind of took it too far with four, in my opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, by the time they got to four for the beta maybe some of those changes it's very streamlined it's very much like you equip one spender or one one generator one spender and then you'll put your cooldowns on your bar and before you could really just screw up your build in diablo 3 there was literally a tick box in diablo 3 that was just like um by default that's the way it worked but there's just like free form mode or elective mode that's what it was called and you could be like do you want to take all of your primary punch abilities as a monk that have no <laughs> cooldowns and they all generate abilities and put them all over your bar <laughs> so you can just hold one and then two and punch people in different ways you can do it it's not good <laughs> we'll say that it's not good but it had more freedom and from what i've seen from four it feels like in some ways it has like the least build diversity of the two uh, of the three, I should say. And four is... Or, or three... Uh, numbers at this point. Diablo 2 might have been the peak for being able to screw around with stuff as much as you wanted. 
Um, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I for my little bit of time in four. Oh god, I have ten seconds. I really thought that some of the uh, <laughs> like it didn't feel as impactful to level some of the like I played the necromancer. And it's like oh, uh-huh. bone things, bone splinters, because it wasn't teeth. Because um, uh-huh. one of the things I liked about just smacking so many levels into like teeth, which was like a very early level, a very early spell, is you would actually mm-hmm. just see more teeth go out. Like it would just yeah. make the spell wider. And you're like, oh, cool. And then depending on where you cast it, it would do more of like a shotgun or a very narrow blast. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope it still feels like it's impactful and scales because mm-hmm. it felt a little lacking. But again, I had a very limited time in the beta. So yeah, could not be I the will case. say, I'll still say, Corpse explosion is the most ridiculous nonsense. It has been since it's two. It's fun. It's insanely strong in four until they like nerf it. Um, I don't even know. I think it's based off percentage of health. So I'll see. How, I guess we'll see how they nerf it. But it was really <laughs> good. Um, but yeah. I mean, that is that's Diablo. I had a full list of questions. I don't think we touched on the list at all. No, I actually went through my notes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. For the second hour <laughs> of the podcast. Uh, no, not necessary. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a really cool franchise. I want to see where they go with it. I do want to see Diablo 4 succeed, but I'm not going to lie to myself and say that it's guaranteed to. So I'm waiting for reviews. It's coming out sometime in June, I think. Um, and unless they the they are they do have like a couple open events before then unless something is just like this is the hook this is how we you you know it's gonna be um something you want to play at launch then i'll probably wait a little bit but it's good um and i hope that they continue to take lessons from their previous games and they treat their employees well and we can go from there (laughs) me over here with just the widest eyes we'll see um, uh-huh. I mean, obviously, I hope for all of those same things as well. But as always, time will tell. We can hope for the That's best, true. but gotta see how it shakes out. It's true. And if you want to shake out, um, you can send that in soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you can shake that thing on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.